This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. See, He has made Himself known. He has circulated the Word. So God could use people and today technology, but He is always faithful to make Himself known. And so that men are without excuse. You, you read in, in the book of Romans, first couple of chapters of the book of Romans, God says He testifies to us through conscience, through commandments, and through creation so that men are without excuse. We have a conscious awareness of God. Then He's revealed Himself to us through the commandments, through Scripture. God is really good at making Himself known to people. In the early church, He used His disciples, and by word of mouth, the gospel spread. Today, we have technology that can reach people in their own languages, and someone can listen to a sermon on the other side of the world. God is also showing Himself through creation every day. In today's message, Pastor Gary will be sharing about how God makes Himself known. Now, it is our responsibility to acknowledge God in and around our lives. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 2, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you're on a recon mission and you want to find out what is happening, I mean, this is like a tavern in the day. But don't believe, you know, some liberal theologian, you could read some commentary saying, well, she wasn't really a prostitute. She was just a, you know, an inn. She ran an inn. She was an innkeeper. She's a prostitute. The word harlot is used here. And she's mentioned three times in the New Testament and twice in the New Testament out of the three times, she's still designated as a harlot. They want us to understand. And look, don't Don't sugarcoat it because it makes the story of redemption even that much better. When you realize the life that she lived and yet God's redemption in her life, it makes an even more beautiful story here. So that's who she was. And these spies know that they can probably get some information because there are a lot of travelers who come in and out of that house. And so they go there. The king of Jericho finds out, sends messengers, Rahab. Get those guys out. Kick them out. Send them back. Well, it tells us in verse 4, And then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she doesn't get rid of them. And so she said to these people sent by the king, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Lie. We'll find out later. She knows. And it happened as the gate was being shut, she says, When it was dark that the men went out, lie. Where the men went, I do not know, lie. They're on your roof. (laughs) Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them, it says in verse 6. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. And then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, there's an ethical dilemma here, isn't there? Rahab is lying to these guys. She's hidden them on her roof. 
Now, it tells us she hid them under stalks of flax. That also tells us what time of year it is. They would harvest flax, which is a grain, it's a gluten-free grain, in the month of April. And flax were long stalks that were cut down, and then they were taken up typically to the roof of a home, and they were all laid out, and they were dried by the sun. And flax is still, you know, it's a valuable commodity even today. It's an important nutritional value. Some of you all love flaxseed or, or flaxseed oil. They'll take the seeds of flax, and they will press it and get oil out of it. It's very healthy. It's high in omega-3. That's no extra charge. And, and I'm, I'm not selling anything. I'm just reporting the information. But in this day, what it was typically used for, and still can be used today for this, they would take the flax, it would dry out in the sun, and then they would beat it, and they would make linen products out of it. You make linen out of flax. And so it was up there drying, and she hustles these two guys up to the roof of her house and hides them under the flax stalks. That's where she hides them. And then when she's confronted... She lies about their whereabouts, says, oh, no, no, before the gate was shut, they left, and sends these guys who were sent on behalf of the king on a wild goose chase. Now, the ethical dilemma, she lies here. Don't read everything in your Bibles and think, oh, there's a principle here. No, this is not teaching us a principle. You know, the fact that the Bible is reporting this, it describes what she did. It doesn't prescribe what she did. It's just reporting that she lied. Let's remember, you know, she's not redeemed yet. She's a Gentile prostitute. She's probably lied a lot in her life. Oh, you're a real stud to all her customers. You know what I'm saying to you? (laughs) She's used to that. Some guy walks in, boy, you're a hunk of hunk of love, aren't you? And he looks like Danny DeVito. No, she's been... (laughs) She's been lying all her life. So when the Bible's not condoning this. The Bible's not saying, hey, take a lesson out of the page of Joshua chapter 2. If it's convenient, just lie. Okay, it's the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false testimony. We're not supposed to lie. That said, and I'm going to be careful in how I try to say this, okay? There are some things in life that on the moral scale, are weightier. All right? Now, just hear me out. Again, I'm not encouraging anybody to lie. The Bible doesn't condone lying. But there are some things on a moral scale that are weightier. For example, and it's just a random example, your husband's having a heart attack, could die. You are driving in excess of the speed limit. His life is in danger. Do you really care that you're breaking the speed? I mean, you don't want to hurt anybody and you don't want to be reckless, but you're not really that concerned about obeying the law because at that moment, your husband's life is more valuable than, than driving, you know, 45 and a 45. You can go 55. You, I'm not encouraging. I'm just saying this is what anybody would do. You know, if my wife is in imminent danger, and needs medical attention, and I'm at a place where I don't have time to call an ambulance, and she's in my car, I'm, the higher moral, the weightier moral moment is her life, not that I might get a ticket because I'm in excess of the speed limit. And these kind of things happen at times, where there's this conflict, and one has to decide, 
where is the, what's the weightier moral implication here that needs greater attention and obedience, and thus you're not bound by the legalism of, of every law in the moment when there's a higher calling of a more important, weightier moral matter. This is the kind of thing that, that we have to decide from, from time to time. And so in this case, she has lied to protect lives. You, you're going to have to sort this out yourself because this is, again, very you know, difficult. It's a fine line here. I'm trying to thread the needle carefully, and we shouldn't make excuses. But there are times when we are confronted in life with moral choices. And sometimes we opt for a weightier moral response because in that moment, it's, it's more necessary. In her lying, she saved these guys' lives. Their lives were more important in that hour than necessarily her words. So again, you'll have to sort that out. Let me give you an example from real history. Uh, and many of you are familiar because I've quoted Corey Ten Boom multiple times over ministry because she's just a, a wonderful example of a godly woman. But the Ten Boom family, if you, if you know anything about the story, uh, and a whole movie and a book was written, The Hiding Place, the Ten Boom family in Amsterdam were hiding Jews in their home against the law to protect them from Nazi Germany. They were lying about it. And one can look and say, that's the ninth commandment. You're breaking, you're breaking the law of God. You're, you're lying. They were protecting lives. And, and now they got discovered for it and they would suffer for it. You know, Corrie Ten Boom would make it out eventually from the prison camp where she would be sent. Her sister Betsy would die there. Parents would also die, but she would survive and eventually make it out. And as a living testimony, they were doing it because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They did it because as believers, they understood that the lives of those Jewish uh, men and women that they were hiding in secret chambers of their home was more valuable than us telling the truth to Nazi Germany. So my point is that there are some times when there are weightier moral matters that have to be considered in the moment. So I'm not necessarily justifying what she did here, but on, on the other hand, she's a Gentile, she's not even a, a believer yet, and so non-believers do what non-believers do. But there are times that sometimes we will be confronted with a higher moral conscience in different matters. By the way, on, on the topic of lying, however, you might be interested to know that according to a nationwide survey, 91% of Americans say they lie regularly. 91% say they lie regularly. You know what that means? It means 9% were lying. <laughs> That's what that means. Like, do you, do you lie regularly? Oh, no, 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 I don't lie. Yeah, that 9% said no. So they're lying too. On average, sorry guys, men tell six lies a day, while women average three lies a day. Yeah, you're looking at each other like, is that true? (laughs) So guys apparently lie twice as much as the women do. College students admitted to lying twice a day. Is that all? 83% of American teenagers admit that they have lied to their parents about something significant. 64% admit to cheating on a test. I don't know how you can even believe any statistics about lying. Don't people lie about that stuff? But it is what it is. And so she lies here. She sends these guys on a wild goose chase. She protects the lives of these Jewish spies. And then in verse 8, it says, Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, Now listen to her story here. 
I know that the Lord, now notice in your Bibles, it's all capital letters, L-O-R-D. This is the proper name of God. This is Yahweh. She knows. She's a Gentile prostitute, and she knows. I know that the Lord, Yahweh, has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. This is when they came out of uh, Egypt. Remember, the Lord dried up the Red Sea. We heard about that, she says. We heard about how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. Notice, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. How did she know that? I mean, there's no internet, there's no social media. How'd she know this? Because the word of the reputation of God and God's people had spread far and wide, which is why they are without excuse. This answers the question some of you emailed, because I had said that God was patient for 400 years with the Canaanites living in the land and the Amorites and the Hittites, the people living within the promised land who had paganized it in the absence of the Jewish people who were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They had left Israel, only 70, Jacob and his, the 12 tribes, his 12 sons, because of a famine, they left. They were then enslaved by Pharaoh. So they spent the next 400 years there, and when they try to go back home, it's been completely paganized. But God waited 400 years for those pagan people to turn to him. And you say, well, was there a prophet? Was there somebody who informed them word had already spread? They knew. They just didn't believe and respond to it, you see. So they're culpable. Rahab here says, we've heard this. We've heard of the miracles. We heard of the story. We know, and we know, she says here. And she makes this personal profession here. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Beneath. This is amazing to think that a Gentile would know the truth about God. But see, He has made Himself known. He has circulated the Word. So God could use people and today technology, but He is always faithful to make Himself known. And so that men are without excuse. You, you read in, in the book of Romans, first couple of chapters of the book of Romans, God says He testifies to us through conscience, through commandments, and through creation so that men are without excuse. We have a conscious awareness of God. Then He's revealed Himself to us through the commandments, through Scripture. And He's revealed Himself to us through creation. Even though man has corrupted the creation story and tried to replace God with an evolutionary theory so that man is central to the story instead of God being central to the story, man's just inverted it and made man at the top instead of God at the top. And evolutionary theory is an attempt to really deny God because it's an attempt to not have to be accountable to God. If you have to acknowledge God, then you're accountable to God. If you think that God doesn't exist and we all just crawled out of a pond and eventually evolved and we're the center of the universe, then you're only accountable to yourself. So once you begin to realize creation speaks of a creator and you begin to see the handiwork of a divine designer behind it, it's that old story about a watchmaker, right? You can't look at a watch and say that just suddenly came together randomly on its own through long periods of successive years. 
No, there's a designer. There's a watchmaker behind that watch. And so it is when you look with inquisitive hearts and minds open to the truth and looking at the universe and the intricacies of the universe and the interdependency of the universe and the cosmos, it screams about not just intelligent design, it screams a divine designer and his name is Lord God Almighty. And thus man is without excuse because conscience, commandments, and creation testify to the existence of God. Rahab, she was informed by one of those different methods and means, and God made himself known so that she can make this bold assertion about who God is. Now look at what she continues to say, verse 12. Now therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that's the Hebrew word chesed, chesed is mercy, that's what God shows us, right? She says, I have shown you kindness that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. She pleads with them. She says, I recognize your God is the true God of heaven and earth. Would you please show chesed, kindness, mercy to me as I'm showing mercy, kindness to you? And so the men answered her. Our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, like don't, don't go around chatting about this. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. And then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. And so the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so shall it be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you made us swear. So here's what these guys say to her. They say, okay, you've shown us kindness. We're going to show you kindness. When we come back in a few days and we wage war against this city, your life and the life of your family members will be spared. So long as, a couple of things, all of you are in your home. If you go out the door, out the front door, we're not responsible. Blood's going to be on them. But we will take responsibility to protect you and the lives of all your family members if you stay within your home, because we're going to come back and get you. But you have to all be here in this home. And here's the second thing. You have to tie the scarlet cord around the window. And so the instruction is this red cord has to hang from your window. It's going to mark your house as the house that we're going to come back to. Now, why the scarlet cord? Perhaps they have in their minds when they left Egypt, the homes were marked with the blood of the lamb. The red that marked the homes were the homes that were protected by God and lives were spared regardless of what they had in mind when they gave her the scarlet cord. Tie it to your window 
to mark your home and your family, what it paints for us is a picture of Jesus. He is the scarlet cord. The red blood that Christ shed on the cross that marks us as belonging to Him when we put our faith and trust in Him is what will spare our lives. See, He died to rescue us. It's this beautiful picture here. And Rahab is the picture of every single one of us. Sinners saved by grace. People in need of God's love and redemption and forgiveness. This is Rahab. She's a picture of every single one of us. The scarlet cord is a picture of Jesus that separated her life and her family from everyone else that she and her household might be spared. And so verse 21, let's finish out the chapter. And then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and see right away. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. She's not wasting any time. She's like, I'm not going to forget this or lose this. I'm tying it right now. And I love the way it simply says there. And then she said, according to your words, so be it. You know what she didn't do? She didn't debate them. Does it have to be a red cord? Can it be a blue cord? How about yellow? You know, it's a little narrow-minded for me to do the red cord thing. I want to be more free and open to other thoughts and ideas. You know why she didn't debate and argue about it? I'll tell you why. There's only two reasons that are necessary for you to come to believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved. That you believe that God is God, and number two, that you see your desperate condition. That's all that was going on with Rahab. She believed that God was God of heaven and earth, and she saw her own desperate condition. And when you have those two things, if you have only one without the other, it won't be a connection. But when you have both of those things, God is God of heaven and earth, and I'm in a desperate place, I need a Savior, you won't argue and debate. You'll just be thankful that God made the way, which is the only way to be saved. And you will embrace it, and you will receive Jesus, and you won't try to debate and argue the whole thing because you believe that God is God, and you understand your own sinful, desperate condition. That's what she had there. And that's why she was she was quick to say, I'll do whatever, I'll do whatever. See, when, when people don't get to that place of surrender, to be honest with you, they're just not desperate enough. And sometimes it takes some stuff that God will allow to get you to that place of desperation. You can come easy or you can come hard, but you'll come one way or another. And it's a whole lot easier to come when things aren't so tough. Surrender can be hard. It can be difficult. And God loves us so much, He'll keep putting on the squeeze until we come to that place where we see our own desperation. And it says in verse 22 that they departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, and crossed over, and they came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message in the book of Joshua again, 
Or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. While you're there, you'll notice our companion resources. These digital study guides give you some additional insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done. They are completely free for you to use. If this ministry continues to be a blessing to you and you want to listen to more teachings, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry out of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person, so come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today, so put a marker in your Bible right there in Joshua, and we'll plan to study the Word again next time. Thanks so much for listening to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go But still you know